Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamps, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 183 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined, as always, by the infamous, the elusive Mr. Ayaz Summary's back. Ayaz, how are you doing? I'm good, Joe. Yourself? Very good, my friend. Very good. Uh, let's start with the review part. As always, people still need to let me know if you like the new intro. People, you have to let me know. Do you like the new intro? But like I say, let's start with the review part of the show. I don't really see this show taking too long, to be honest. Uh, I'm not going to really go in great detail on the fights. We're going to start last week at the Staples Center in Los Angeles, California, USA. Um... Let's start with the undercard. Arnold Barboza Jr., um, 20-0 and going in. He took on former world champion Mike Alvarado, 40-4. and A real good display, actually, by Barboza Jr. I was really impressed with him. I know that Alvarado's seen way, way better days, but... You know, it was a it was a good performance from him. He didn't really put a foot wrong. He he boxed a perfect fight, and he ended up getting the stoppage in that third round, the knockout there. It was for the NABF Junior Super um, Lightweight title. Like I say, Alvarado knocked out in the third round. Moving up the card, Gilberto Ramirez. Uh, he moved to forty and O, a retirement uh, in, in the other corner. His opponent, Tommy Carpensi, former opponent of Adonis Stevenson, 29-7 and now with one draw. Like I say, he retired after four rounds. Ramirez now 40-0. and I mean, it's a fantastic-looking record. It's one of the longest in, uh, in boxing, the longest undefeated streaks. But moving up to the main event, really, Vasily Lomachenko has. Uh, he's now 13-1. and uh, he knocked out in four rounds Anthony Crawler, who's now 34-7 and seven with three draws. Obviously, we all knew going in, we're not silly, we all knew that Crawler was well and truly up against it. It was for Lomachenko's WBA and WBO world titles. Crawler was given a count in round three, where really the referee could have jumped in and stopped it. But um, yeah, you know, he, he gave him a bit of a lifeline, really, the referee. A lot of people were questioning the decision. Lomachenko got up and, and, and started... Um, you know, celebrating on the uh, on the ropes and stuff like that, but yeah, ultimately he came out in the next round and he got he got um, you know knocked out. I wouldn't say brutally, but it was a well placed shot to the temple of Crawler and it made him fall face first on the canvas. Impressive by Lomachenko eyes, but not too surprising. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't too surprised. Obviously, Crawler, a lot of people, um, obviously, is going in as the underdog. Lomachenko is obviously the favorite. I mean, you can tell from the first round that Lomachenko was obviously onto him already, like. And on the second round, obviously, he kept jabbing him, hitting him. And the third round, that um, Lomachenko hurt him, um, Crawler. And I think that the towel should have been thrown in. Obviously, in the fourth round, obviously, Lomachenko knocked him out. So, it's another Lomachenko win. Another another former world champion beaten by Lomachenko on his record. For sure. And a lot of people were annoyed about the fight actually taking place. Obviously, he was the man that treat you can't blame Lomachenko. But, yeah, he didn't really waste any time with Crawler. Um 
it was kind of good that it didn't go past four rounds. I wouldn't have wanted to see Crawler take an absolute beating over twelve rounds. You know, um, yeah, it was it was it was clearly going to be a Lomachenko knockout. We actually all predicted a Lomachenko knockout, and that was my hundredth correct prediction. So I've now won the prediction league, but we're still fighting, or you're still fighting, I as and the listeners for the second place. You're both tied at the moment on how many points is it now? I think it is. Uh, you're you're tied, you and the listeners, on 93 points because you both, like I say, went with Lomachenko to win by knockout. Um, and the other prediction that we made, we'll get onto in a minute, ended up being a no contest. Um, but yeah, that's really it for that card, you know. We want to see Lomachenko stepping up against someone who can really provide a threat, someone like Javante Davis, someone like, um, you know, like a Mikey Garcia, perhaps, you know, a few fights down the line, Tiafimo Lopez, even though he's put a deadline on that fight to happen by the end of this year. Um, moving out now, though, to the Arena Monterrey in Nuevo Leon, Mexico. Um yeah, there was two fights over here. Firstly, on the undercard, Diego De La Hoya, 21-0. He took on Enrique Bernash, 24-12. A no contest over here. Um, I'm not quite sure what happened there, but it was a no contest after two rounds. It's really weird, but on that Saturday night, last Saturday, obviously the Crawler and uh, Lomachenko fight night took place on the Friday, but on the Saturday, all the big bills were plagued with no contest. It's really weird. So that's the first no contest right there um, on, on the undercard. Diego De La Hoya. Uh, the top of the bill, though, Jaime Munguia, 32-0, now 33-0. A majority decision over 12 rounds against Dennis Hogan, a man that we all writ off going into the fight. We all, I think, said that he'd probably get stopped um, within a few rounds, but he ended up lasting the distance. And... Um, Quite, quite shockingly, really, he he completely seemed to get jobbed on the cards. Um, a lot of people were saying that it was a complete robbery. I think there was one card that was eight to four in favour of Mungia. A lot of people were disgusted by that, to be honest. I didn't actually watch the fight in its entirety, but I saw little clips in the later rounds, and um, I could see that Mungia was being hit way, way, way too often by singular shots. Um, it, it was quite worrying, actually, to see him take shots like that. And you do have to worry if the rumours are true that he could be moving up to 160, where they punch a bit harder. Um, Mungia, I know it sounds crazy, but he kind of reminds me of someone like a Sam Eggington, where he's got that you know, that style where he just likes to walk through people. And if it doesn't work, then he doesn't really have any other plan. He's a tough guy. He's got a tough chin. And... Um, you know, he seems like he's got the kind of style where he's not going to last too long. I don't think he's going to be in his prime for too long, unfortunately. We'll have to see, though. We'll have to see. Sam Eggington, of course, never achieved world you know, world titles and stuff like that. Mungia's done really well to get to the position he's got to. You know, he always makes for an interesting, tough fight. But that, that um, fight he had last time out before this one against Inoue, and now this one here, you know, he's gone the distance in both fights. He hasn't looked great. I think he's gone the distance in three of his last four and um I think one of them was was Liam Smith I'm sure that one went the distance but yeah he seems like he's kind of slowing down already um so yeah I'm not quite sure what he does I'm not quite sure his his next few fights are going to be very easy I think he needs to plan them quite carefully actually again this one was what we all thought was was quite a careful defense but it was everything but that um yeah Mungia, a few question marks actually um that was it for that one moving out now to the minneapolis armory in minnesota like i say talking of no contests 
Um, over here, we had Peter Quillen, 34-1 with one draw. He took on Caleb Truax, 30-4 with two draws. Both men, of course, former world champions. Both men, friends of the show. Um, and no decision in the second round again. Like I say, another no decision. And it also happened in the second round. It was because of a cut. Um, it was just kind of on the eyebrow of Truax. Uh, it didn't seem that bad of a cut, but it's the kind of cut that's going to worsen as the fight goes on and... You know, it was it was um, very unfortunate for that head clash to happen. Peter Quillin took it um, quite classy. He said in his interview afterwards that you know he wants Caleb to be able to fight, you know, another day. So uh, he he didn't really have any problem with the decision uh, for for the for the corner to stop it. Well, not the corner, the doctor. Um, also on that bill, Sergei Derevianchenko got a win unanimously over twelve rounds against Jack Kulkai. It was a real good fight as well. Uh, Kulkai now twenty five and four. Derevianchenko, like I say, thirteen and one. Same record as Lomachenko as it goes, but. Um, yeah, that one loss, of course, came to Danny Jacobs. Moving out now, though, to the Boardwalk Hall in Atlantic City, New Jersey, USA. And once again, another no contest to mention here. Otto Wallin, the Swedish heavyweight, 20-0 undefeated. He took on Nick Kisner, 21-4 with one draw. Uh, a no contest, like I say, because of another accidental head uh, head clash. Wallin actually had quite a bad cut on his head. It was flowing down the side of his head. It looked real... Uh, you know, it looked real bloody, it really did, but he was game to carry on, and it was Kisner who was really complaining, so, like I say, it didn't even go past the first round, it was a big chance there for Wallin to impress, also on that bill, former heavyweight world champion Sam Peter, 36, oh sorry, 37 and 7 now, he actually lost a split decision over 8 rounds against Mario Heredia, 15 and 6 with one draw going in, now 16 and 6 with one draw, obviously Sam Peter's expected to beat people like like this, even if he's about you know about as old as a T Rex, um, but yeah, Heredia was actually down in round three, and he still managed to get up and win a split decision over eight. So Sam Peter, perhaps that throws a spanner in the works for his fairy tale comeback. Uh, talking of T Rexes, no pun intended at all. Top in the bill, Clarissa Shields, eight and zero. She took on Christina Hammer, twenty four and zero. It was for all four belts: the IBF, WBA, WBC, and WBO uh, female middleweight titles obviously Clarissa a friend of the show 10 two minute rounds um, it went the distance unanimously uh, in favour of Clarissa Shields. She's now the undisputed middleweight world champion uh, on the female side of the sport. A real punch-perfect performance once again from Clarissa. She really did um, you know, impress everyone, really. A lot of people. I was, I was quite shocked because I thought she'd win anyway. But a lot of people um, believed that she would lose, including former world champion Christy Martin. Um, and even some of the people, I think it was in the Box Nation studio, they picked um, Christina Hammer to win and I was quite surprised by that but boy oh boy did Clarissa dominate she looked brilliant in there and um, Christina Hammer seemed to run out of ideas as early as the second round really um, yeah the other prediction like I say we, we all predicted on the Quillin and Truax fight I went with Truax on points um, you, Ayaz, and the listeners went with Quillin on points. No point mentioning that because, of course, it ended up with a no contest. But, um, yeah, one point gained for all of us. Like I say, I've now won the Prediction League. I am over the moon with that. Uh, that's it, though, for part one, pretty much. The last thing to do before we end part one is to welcome guest number one. 
Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the 2016 Olympian and unbeaten world-ranked welterweight prospect. He is, of course, Mr. Josh Kelly. Josh, welcome back on the show, brother. What's happening, bro? You good? All good, my friend. Even better that you're on. So, Josh, we last spoke. We last spoke in November. Uh, it was just before that fight that never happened. There's no real point revisiting that situation. Uh, but there were rumours at the time that you'd be moving up to 154. Obviously, that doesn't seem to be the case. 147 definitely will be the place you'll be staying at for the foreseeable future. I'm guessing. 100. <laughs> percent That's all. That's all that needs to be said. 100%. And your next fight, like we say, it will be on Saturday at the O2. In the other corner, though, Prism Slawronowski, a Polish fighter, unbeaten, 17-0. and 0. I had a little look on YouTube. There's not too much footage to see of him. Uh, I think I think just the one fight was on there. What do you know about this guy, Josh? Seems like a hard guy to find out info about. He seems well-graded, um, solid. Uh, keep me honest, 100%. Yeah, a lot of that amateur experience, and he had over 100. Uh, he's got something on somewhere saying he had over 160 amateur fights and won a bronze medal in the Europeans or something. So he's no, he's, he's no mug at all. So this is a this is a good fight to come back. To, a quality fight. It's it's the end about where where I need to be to come back to. I mean, um, it's gonna it's gonna keep us very honest. I need to be switched on. So you're gonna see um you're gonna see some. Some tricks and some new things we've got going, but I mean, I want to be switched on at all times. Yeah, because I think this guy's more of a boxer kind of thing. You mentioned there the amateur pedigree. I never knew about that. That's actually very yeah. interesting. Um, he's only got the three knockouts yeah. from 17 wins. In fact, you've got double yeah. the knockouts in half the fights. Yeah. That's that's quite a sexy statistic, Josh. <laughs> yeah, mad. It's mad. i tell you what it is. You just, I don't really look at the knockout ratios. And to, t- to tell you the truth, Joe, I'm. It, it, it never, never, ever sort of really plays a big part on my my sort of game and my tactics. If he can punch, all the better. Let him roll up and swing. But if he can't punch, then sometimes it makes it a little bit more awkward. They don't want to get involved. They sort of box and they they want to they want to move about. They want to do this. They want to do that. They, they sort of. They, to get to get where I'm going, right? Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Like it becomes a little bit more like that, which is fine by me. But I mean, for we know, he could have boxed what fourteen of the hardest geezers walking the earth. So <laughs> I, you know, the game is to not um, to not get it on that chin. So that's that's, that's the plan. Doesn't matter if it's a puncher or not. It's actually going to be his birthday at the weigh-in. He's going to turn 25. Is it, yeah. Um, w- would you ever <laughs> fancy making weight on your birthday, Josh? Oh, if it's got to be done, it's got to be done, hasn't it? <laughs> That's, that's it. <laughs> you've been you've been penciled in to fight on the Joshua Miller undercard. Quite clearly, Eddie Hearn is mm. looking past Ronowski. How difficult uh, is it for you to not look past him? Because I bet at the back of your mind, you're probably buzzing to be on that undercard away in America, giving the US fans a chance to see the PBK in action. Oi. see the way I look at it is America doesn't exist unless I get past this fight. God willing, I get past this fight and everything goes well, then that door opens. But until I can get through this door, I can't. I can't start looking past, or like I said, looking over the top of him and seeing this American dream. But at the moment, mate, my eyes are firmly set on the Ronowski. They have been for weeks, and I've prepared. I've prepared 
very, very well. And I'm not going to ask you who you're fighting June 1st at, at, at Medicine Square Garden because it's, you know, it's completely not been announced yet. But have opponents no. been spoken about yet behind closed doors or is it way too early for that? I think you have, but like I said, we don't look past the fight in front of us, Joe, so let's keep that on. Yeah, good answer, I like that. I can't not ask you this, Josh, but obviously David Avanesian went on the road to Spain. He upset the odds massively. Yeah. He stopped Le Haraga. Yeah. He's now the EBU European champion. He is a, a fight that fans still want to see. Does the fact that you've both had... I even ask 100%. Oh, you can ask 100%. <laughs> I know what you're going to ask. Don't ask it 100%. It's, it's what, it's, he it did very well. And I think they have an immediate rematch close. That's what do, my yes. assumption, assumption is. But, I mean, let's see how this year plays out because I'm sure we'll meet past, like, like I said before, we will meet again. So, if he keeps winning, I'll keep winning. These next couple of fights will meet again. And that fight should have been made. It should have happened, but obviously for unforeseeable outcome. And me getting ill on the day, the the, the night, the night before the weigh-in, sort of the, the sort of mid mid weigh-in sort of thing. After the weigh-in, it was just mad. It was just mad. And I did I did a long camp for that. I did sixteen weeks. So I was in the gym for sixteen odd weeks. Had a baby born in between. So there was no way. And it was just before Christmas. There was no way I wasn't. I wasn't not wanting to fight. No, no, no. Do you know what I mean? I was just I was in in the room, to be honest, crying crying my eyes out. Couldn't I couldn't even face looking at people. Just killed us. But I mean, that's like you said, that's over and done with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's done. Yeah, let's, so let's, we're moving on. Twenty nineteen. Yeah, let's not go there. I was no. just gonna say. I, I was wondering if these these couple of fights. You know, he's had that fight. You've had that fight. I was wondering because you've both gone separate ways. Does it kind of make it a bit? You know, a bit. Uh, more difficult to happen, but no, we, that's, yeah. that's cool. That's cool. Um, this weekend, yeah. welterweight division action at the very top. Uh, Crawford against Khan. We'd we'd love to see Khan win, wouldn't we, Josh? It's a tough fight, though. Yeah. You would. You 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 want to see your home guys win when they're fighting away? Do you know what I mean? You don't. You don't. We don't wish bad on any English fighters. You want them to win, and I wish Amir Khan the best of luck. Hopefully, he can do it on paper and. In reality, a lot of people are thinking it's definitely it's it's a big big ask, but I mean it's boxing, anything can happen. We certainly hope he wins. And uh, from my understanding, Ryan Burnett's now back in training. When we last spoke, his freak injury, which which led to his loss, was very fresh. How is he getting on at the minute? He's flying. He's back in full flow. Great. I think he's at um he's he's, he's flying, mate. He's um he's back in. He's enjoying it. So. That's good news, you know. It's good news. Excellent. All right, Josh, um, that's about it, really, for the questions. Have you got anything you want to just say to our listeners before we let you go, my man? Nah, I'm all good, brother. All good. That's um, that's me switched off till fight night, so I'm all good. Excellent. All right, Josh. going to enjoy it. It should be a night to enjoy. I'm going to be nice and relaxed. Excellent. Right, Josh, it's always a pleasure catching up, my friend. You know that. Best of luck for Saturday, and we'll catch up sometime after. All good, my brother. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. There is no news, so I, as you're going to have to work double hard now in the preview part of the show. Um, We're going to start at the Olympia in Liverpool, Merseyside, United Kingdom, obviously a venue that's had quite a bit of history now. Um, 
a little show over here, actually. It's a Johnny Roy show. Um, a few names on the bill, though. Jazza Dickens, 25-3. and three. He's in a 10-rounder against Nasibu Ramadan, who is 27-13 and 13 with two draws. Uh, James Metcalf's also on the bill, 18-0. and 0. His opponent yet to be announced. That's an eight-rounder there. Natasha Jonah, 7-1. and one. She takes on Bianca um, Majlaf, who's 3-1. and one. That's six two-minute rounds. Also, Brian the Lion Rose, 30-5 and five with one draw. He's in a six-rounder against uh, Nicola Majlaf. I thought I was reading that wrong. I thought that was Natasha Jonas's opponent, but no, Nicola is a man. 16 wins and 40 losses. Uh, also on that bill, mm, nah, no one really, n- no other people really of note there. But yeah, moving out now to the O2 Arena in Greenwich, London, United Kingdom. Let's start with the undercard over here. Shannon Courtenay. I think that's how it's said. Shannon Courtney. I really need to find out for sure if that is how it's pronounced. Her record, 1-0. and She's in a four two-minute round contest against an opponent yet to be announced. Shannon Courtney, I has, um, really impressed me on the... Uh, she was on the Edwards Marino undercard, if I'm not mistaken. She looked really good. And since then, she's been inundated with all these strange messages. I think she even said in an interview that someone had sent her, an anonymous person had sent her a direct message over Instagram saying that they would buy her used socks for £10,000. And I'm wondering, Iaz, was it you? It definitely was not me. It definitely wasn't you. Okay, we'll take your word for it, Iaz. Um, all the best to Shannon Courtney. Good fighter, like I say. Really interesting fighter. Um, you know, I like her story and I like her style more than anything. Um, she's got a little bit of... I, I, it's, it's hard to kind of... It's hard to say this, but she's got a little bit of a kind of bad boy style, even though she's not a boy. She's got like a bit of... What's the word I'm looking for? There's a little bit... Ah, oh, really can't find the word. Try and help me out here, Iaz. Perhaps she's got a little bit of, maybe, flair. She's a bit cool. She's pretty cool. Can't really find the word. She's she's a bit menace, a bit menacing in a good way. Um, there's something about her anyway. Um, but yeah, moving up the bill also. Connor Ben, thirteen and zero. He puts his WBA Continental Welterweight crown on the line. That's a ten rounder. No opponent just yet. Also on the bill, Josh Kelly. We spoke to him earlier on in the show. His record eight and zero. He puts his WBA International Welterweight title on the line against Prism Slaw Ronowski, seventeen and zero. We've just Three knockouts, a good boxer though, with a good amateur pedigree. Ten rounds of boxing, that one. Also on the card, Derek Chisora, 29 and 9. Boy, oh boy, nine losses. It's, it's crazy when you look at that. 12 rounds against Sinad Gashi, 17 and 2. We saw Gashi on the white Chisora undercard. He fought on that against Carlos Takam, uh, December 22nd, the night that Charlie Edwards won his world title. Um, and yeah. You know, Takam was able to stop him, but Gashi's a, a big, big puncher himself. That could be interesting, but I actually think that's going to be a snore, uh, snore fest, really, or bore fest, I should say, that'll make you snore. Um, also on the bill, Joe Cordina, eight and zero. He gets in there with Andy Townend, twenty-two and four. That one's for the British lightweight title, twelve rounds there. And topping the bill, as we've gone to the predictions on this, Dave Allen, sixteen and four with two draws. He takes on former WBA heavyweight world champion. Lucas Brown, twenty-eight and one, twelve-round contest. Like I say, I've 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 really got under a lot of people's skin on Twitter earlier this week. So I'm going to talk about that in just a moment, Ayaz. But I'm going to throw it over to you first with a prediction. Um, how do you see this fight ending? Um, I think this is going to be a very good fight. I think it's a fifty-fifty fight between Dave Allen versus Lucas Brown. I think that Dave Allen, like since he's 
you can tell like since he's been uploading pictures of Instagram and that that he's like he's he's in very good shape. Obviously, he says he wants to become a WWE wrestler. He said he wants to become a wrestler after this fight. Um, obviously, we see Lucas Brown get heavily knocked out by Dillian White um, recently uh, last year, and obviously that may that may cause a side uh, that may cause an effect on him. But if I'm gonna go with a win, I'm gonna go with Dave Allen to win by points because I think this is gonna be his night. And I can see you can see by the shape that Dave Allen's been training, and you can tell how much weight he's actually lost. So yeah, I'm gonna go with Dave Allen to win by points. Interesting pick, as it's a fight where many many people think that it won't go as far as the distance. Um, I mean, I don't really have to give a prediction now because I've won the prediction league. But the listeners are going with a Dave Allen knockout. Um, that's that's fair enough. Um, so basically, why I ran into a few issues earlier on this week is because I said that I feel like the winner needs to retire, and uh, sorry, the loser needs to retire. It's <laughs> a bad start trying to explain my point. But um, yeah, I think the loser needs to retire because obviously Lucas Brown's forty years of age. He started boxing late, so he's not like a old, you know, a typical old 40 year old, he's a young 40 he hasn't took loads and loads of punishment he had that brutal knockout loss to Dillian White which which you mentioned there and also another thing that, that um, should be mentioned, that was the last time he went to the O2 Arena so he's back this weekend in the place where he got savagely knocked out, it was the worst night of his pro boxing career um he returns uh, to, to the same venue but yeah, I mean he's a guy that surely doesn't have that many more fights left in him you know he's a 40 year old guy at the end of the day and it doesn't really matter how much punishment you've took or not took over the years but your you know age age and father time they say is undefeated age does catch up with you eventually it doesn't matter what you're doing so I don't think he's going to have a 10 year career and go on till he's 50 I think he's only got a handful of fights left in him but he's already achieved the very best thing in the sport he's won the WBA heavyweight world title so that's a box ticked there if he loses to Dave Allen after winning a world title on the road by knockout in which he got dropped in that fight he got back up and knocked out you know knocked out Shagaev if he then goes and loses to Dave Allen whose best win was against Nick Webb um you know a completely unproven prospect then that goes to show he's so badly down the slide that he should just pack it in because he's going to be fighting who? Who would you want to see him fight? Perhaps David Price in a last in a last ditch payday? Like, does David Price even want to fight him? It's just like you, you, you're in no man's land, Lucas. That's the truth of it. Dave Allen, on the other hand, a young guy. People were saying, oh, he's only just turned 27. How can you say he should retire if he loses? I'm not saying who's going to lose, who's going to win, or what I think. I'm just saying, I have a guy, and I've, I've explained there about Lucas Brown. He's old, but he hasn't took much punishment. Dave Allen, the complete opposite. He's young, he's only 27, but he's took a lot of punishment. He always talks about those many, many, many rounds he's done with Anthony Joshua over the years. Um, you know, he's had a hard career, man. He's He's been in there with the likes of Luis Ortiz. He ate shots all night. He's been in there with uh, Dillian White. He took shots all night. He's been in there with Tony Yoka, and he actually got stopped in the final round he's a tough tough guy I understand that he's a tough guy and it's hard for people to actually fathom him being knocked out Lucas Brown's a big puncher that's his strongest asset by far um Dave Allen I'm just not quite sure if he was to lose here I'm guessing it's going to be by knockout I can't see Brown winning on points so I'm basically saying if he gets knocked out by Brown legitimately knocked out in bad fashion then you know I'm not going to sit here trying to count on some kind of 
dodgy referee stoppage. I don't think that's going to happen. I think someone loses this by a savage knockout. And if it is to be Dave Allen, then I think it's curtains for him because he then gets stopped by Lucas Brown. It'd be his worst loss because he's been in there, like I say, with Luis Ortiz. He didn't get legitimately knocked out. Uh, the Tony Yoka stoppage, I can't even remember it now. I'm not sure if he got legitimately stopped properly there. I think the referee jumped in. Um, you know, he didn't get dropped or anything like that as far as I know. And of course, the Dillian White fight, uh, I, f- I think he went the distance in that one, didn't he? So, you know, if he actually gets blown out by by Lucas Brown, a man who's age 40, then I don't really want to see him continue because I think his health is a big thing, you know. Um, he, he In his last fight, he fought Bracamonte, and it was a life-and-death fight. It really, really was. The fight before that, I can't remember who he fought. Was it that Samir Nebo, I think it was? And if I'm not mistaken... Um, did he blow him out really quickly, or was that a tough fight? I can't even remember. But anyway, the Bracamonte fight, you know, that was a hard, hard fight. He had to dig so deep there. And people are saying, well, Lucas Brown's coming off that really bad performance where he beat Sokolowski on points, but he got dropped. Sokolowski's a tough guy. Sokolowski would probably annihilate the likes of Bracamonte. In fact, there are people out there that that would actually pick Sokolowski to beat Dave Allen. Once again, I'm not saying that that would happen. Listen, Lucas and Dave are both friends of the show. I wish them both the very best. I hope that neither of them get knocked out eyes and your pick is right that it does go to the distance. Not really bothered about who wins, to be honest. They're both good guys. Um, two very, very good guys. I think we've seen that you know, so far on fight week. They've got respect for each other. Um, I just think the loser has nowhere to go. It's as simple as that. I mean, Dave Allen's got a great following. He could carry on and just keep fighting people like, um, who's that big guy he fought? I think he's fought him twice now. David Howe. He could go and fight David Howe for a third time. He's got a big enough following where he can just fight completely subpar opponents and get paid. But I know that's not what he wants to do. He wants to win big titles. And like I say, he's headlining here. I don't think he deserves really to be headlining a show. He hasn't really done anything. Like I say, the best win was against Nick Webb. You know, if, if he loses... I don't know where he goes from here. That's just my opinion. If you disagree, then then fine. I've had a lot of Dave Allen fan club um, Twitter people atting me all week, giving me sticks. So, uh, yeah, that's just my point. I wanted to just get that across. Perhaps I'm wrong, you know. It's, it's just my opinion at the end of the day. That's just the way I see it. A lot of people also agree. Um, with what I'm saying, uh, but we're going to leave that one there, like I say, Dave Allen 16-4 and four with two draws, Lucas Brown 28-1, and one. they've shared two um, two common opponents, I think Lucas Brown um, obviously got knocked out by, uh, by Dillian White, Dave Allen lost to Dillian White, but I don't think it was a stoppage, was it, I think it was on points, and of course Lucas Brown took on Jason Gavin, and he got him, uh, he got him out of there um, quicker than, than Dave Allen did, so you can't really read into it too much, but Lucas Brown's win over Chagai is much better than anything Dave Allen's ever done, also the win against Rodenko, that's a big win back then when Rodenko was undefeated, very very controversial decision for me that night, but anyway, he got the win on paper um, and also who else did he beat, he beat an old James Tony. these are all things which I think are, you know, are, are, are much bigger achievements than what Dave Allen's done, but Dave Allen's a massive favourite, 
He really is. He's quite shocking. But anyway, we're going to leave that card alone. Let's move out now to the Dignity Health Sports Park in Carson, California, USA. A PBC show over here. Uh, three or four fights to mention on the bill. Let's start here with Andy Ruiz Jr., the forgotten man of the heavyweight division, 31-1. and one. He takes on Alexander Dimitrenko, 41-4. Uh, and four. Obviously, Andy Ruiz Jr. has seemed to just disappear off the face of the earth after losing two Joe. Joseph Parker in a very, very close fight. He could have been the guy that actually become the WBO heavyweight world champion that night. He didn't get the decision. It was away from home. It was kind of expected. He put up a real good fight. Like I say, could have gone either way. And ever since then, he's just disappeared. Whereas Joseph Parker's had the big nights against Joshua in Cardiff, the big nights against Dillian White. And um, he's just disappeared, really, Andy Ruiz Jr. He needs to get back to it. And this is the fight for him here um, to, to kind of make a bit of a statement here on the heavyweight division, even though Dimitrenko certainly seen better days. Uh, that's a 10-rounder there. Also on the bill for the interim WBA World Super Bantamweight title, Brandon Figueroa, the brother of Omar. Brandon's really, really impressed me lately. That's a 12-rounder. Uh, he takes on Yomfrez Parejo, 22-3 with one draw. Also on the bill, Ricardo Franco, 23-2. He fights for the vacant WBO international bantamweight title. He takes on former Charlie Edwards opponent, um, John Real Casemiro, the only guy to have beaten Charlie Edwards. His record nowadays, 26-4. And, and topping the bill for the vacant WBC silver welterweight title, Danny Garcia Riaz, 30 four and two he takes on adrian granados 20 and six with two draws granados as we know him very well to have been on the uh on the bad side really of a controversial decision many many times obviously he had that real close fight with adrian broner he thought he won that one there's been a few occasions to be honest danny garcia in close fights you know he's had luck time and time again whereas in close fights granados has had bad luck so if it, if it does go the distance, I reckon that Garcia will probably get the rubber to green like he always does. But um, tell me about this fight, Ayaz. What's your prediction here, Garcia, Granados? Uh, we obviously seen that uh, Granados obviously got robbed when he fought Adrian, Adrian Broner. Um, obviously, this is Garcia's uh, fight since he's lost that title to Porter. So if I'm going to go with a win, I'm going to go with eight, uh, eight, Danny Garcia in t- to win by a knockout. Garcia by knockout. The listeners have gone with Garcia on points. It was really, really close to that poll, actually. No one at all voted for Granados to win by any method. I'm loving it so far. It's great. I can just sit back with a prediction league and just watch it unfold between yourself, Iaz, and the listeners. And uh, so far, two predictions out of two, you've both disagreed. So uh, that's what it's all about. We're going to see who ends up getting to 100 second um, and, and see who comes second place. If you lose, by the way, Iaz, if you, I mean, you've come second to me anyway. I think we should let the let the listeners uh, decide on something you should do. Perhaps sing a song. We'll have to, we'll have to think of something. It'd be great if you sing a song, Iaz. Listeners love, uh, or they they would love to hear your your beautiful vocal voice. Um, Danny Garcia, I definitely think he wins that fight. I think you, I think probably on points to be honest. Um, so I think the listeners are right with that one. Um, and yes, that's it for that one. Moving out now to the Rosecroft Raceway in Fort Washington, Maryland, uh, USA. One fight to mention over here. Friend of the show, Dusty Hernandez Harrison, 31-0 with one draw. He's in an eight-rounder against Fred Jenkins Jr., 10-5. and uh, That's an eight-rounder, like I say. And moving out now to the final bill to mention. It's on BT Sports pay-per-view, as um, I'm a bit... 
I'm a bit annoyed really with that. I didn't actually know it was on pay-per-view till the weekend just gone. It's I think it's £20 and it's on obviously really late. Um, there's only four fights listed. So that's like a £5 uh, charge per fight if you're, you know, if you're thinking about it mathematically here. Terence Crawford 34-0 tops the bill against Amir Khan 33-4. It's for the WBO World Welterweight title. Obviously when the fight got made I, as I thought to myself, yeah, it's a complete mismatch. I think that Terence Crawford's going to win it quite easily but the more the more closer it kind of gets to fight night I realized that Khan's hand speed can really really trouble Crawford but you know it, it usually catches up with him and he ends up getting stopped I hope that we don't see that I don't think Crawford bangs like Canelo does or bangs like perhaps um you know uh Danny Garcia perhaps does. I mean, that was a brilliant well-timed shot that night there. But, you know, Crawford's not the biggest one-punch guy. Um, but you can't afford to run out of steam against him also because his accumulative punches can be quite brutal, actually. How do you see it going? What's your prediction? I mean, I mean, this is very, very good fight. Obviously, his last fight we've seen, this is, I think this is his third fight with Eddie Hearn, isn't it? Match of boxing. A lot of people are going to disagree saying that you should have fought the Kelbrook fight. But... To be fair, when you when you get a chance to fight for under when you get a chance to fight a fight like Terence Crawford, one of the pound for pound, you take the opportunity. Now, obviously, in Khan's last fight, he got dropped by Samuel Vargas, which is Samuel Vargas, not even a big puncher. Um, for me, I don't think Crawford's a very big puncher. I think he's a very technical boxer. Um, obviously, Khan's with his hand speeds, is uh, Khan's going to need to. Khan's not the same fight as before, and I think he's on the downhill as well. Obviously, he doesn't have much fights left. Left, in, I don't think so much fight left in his tank. But, I mean, I'd love to see Khan win this fight, but I can't, just cannot see him winning it. If I'm going to go with a win, I'm going to go with Crawford to win, not by knockout, by points, I think. I think Crawford's going to win by points. I, don't, I can't see, I can't see, I, I can see, I can't see Amir Khan getting stopped in this fight. Also, because Crawford's not, um, Crawford's not really a puncher, he's more of a boxer. Um, in order for Khan to win this fight, he needs to, he needs to jab, he needs to box and move and box and move and use his hand speed. But, um, obviously, it's going to be a very tough task because he's obviously... This is Crawford, and, um, and obviously Crawford isn't. I don't think he can lose this fight. So if I, I'm going to go with a win, I'm going to go Crawford to win by points. It's almost like you've had a little peek on the Box Hard Podcast Twitter page, I has, because the listeners are also going against you for this one as well. They're going with Crawford by knockout. I can understand that for pretty much the same reasons I explained just a moment ago. Um, yeah, I think that Khan. Is a bit crazy uh, for taking this fight. You know, it is it is going to be a hard, hard fight. Um, you know, you've gone there with Crawford on points again. That that that's a very big possibility. Um, like I say, Con cannot afford to tire. And just going back to the Dave Allen thing, a lot of people were atting me on Twitter saying. Oh, well, um, look at Amir Khan. I mean, why should Dave Allen retire? Amir Khan took losses and he's come back and no one's saying anything about him. It's completely different. I mean, Dave Allen didn't do anything in the amateurs. Amir Khan won a silver medal in the 2004 Olympics at 17 years of age. That right there pretty much said, hey, I'm going to have a fantastic professional career. He turned over. He got stopped. I think it was in the first round, wasn't it, against the guy whose name... I always forget. Brutus Prescott, there we go. Um, and he got he got stopped, I think, in the first round. Could have got caught cold. Brutus Prescott was an undefeated, heavy-hitting guy. And, um, you know, he got knocked out there. And then he came back. That was his only loss at the time. He came back. And then look what he did since then. He won world titles. He moved through the weights. He's mixed it with some of the best guys in the sport. And anyone that he's lost to since that Brutus Prescott fight has been a world champion. I mean, Peterson, very, very controversial. Canelo, 
perhaps the pound-for-pound pound king. He got knocked out by him in a fight he was winning. Uh, Danny Garcia, another fight he was winning. He got caught and knocked out. These are guys that are world champions. We're not talking about losing to Tony Yoka, who's 3-0 and or 4-0 and at the time. We're not talking about losing to, to Luis Ortiz. We're not talking about losing to um, uh, Ortiz, Dillian White, um, Tony Yoka. Who's the other loss to? Andrew Thomas. Lemroy Thomas. Oh, that's the worst one of the lot. The, the last one there. Lemroy Thomas. You know, we're not talking about those type of guys. And another thing, Dave Allen's taking these shots off of heavyweights. It's not like Amir Khan's. He's only getting hit by welterweights slash light welterweights. You know, being hit by heavyweights a whole nother ball game. So, um, yeah, you know, Khan should have carried on because he's he's had the real potential to go on and win world titles like he has done. He's probably got the best resume in boxing. I've said that many times. Dave Allen's not going to become a world champion. He knows that, surely. You know, it doesn't matter what training he does. He just doesn't have what Amir Khan had when he turned over. Um, but, yeah, it is what it is. If you don't agree, then, <laughs> then don't agree. But, um, yeah, hard fight, like I say, I has, and uh, it's going to be exciting. Exciting, but be completely honest here. Are you going to tune in at like two in the morning or whatever when it starts to uh, to, to pay the money and watch it, or are you going to find an illegal stream? I'm definitely going to be watching the fight. That's is an American fight. American. Um, you, in his fight, you can see um, you don't know what's going to happen. So I've, I'll still watch it. I'm still. I'm going to still order that fight and definitely watch it. Fair enough, guys. I know that you're a loyal boxing fan, but it just is kind of annoying where you know they're putting on this show it's on a bt sports pay-per-view so straight away the marketplace is not as big as sky uh, sky doing a pay-per-view and obviously the time of the morning that it is and the lack of big names on the card kind of thing i mean amir khan his last few fights have been not on box office they've been on you know free saturday night fight night kind of thing and, um, yeah, he's in against Crawford, but Crawford's not a massive name over here amongst the casual fans. To make a pay-per-view a success, you need to have the casual fans on board. And a casual fan's going to look and think, right, let's look at value for money here. Amir Khan, yep, I've heard of him. Good fighter. He keeps getting knocked out, though. Uh, Terence Crawford, who's that? Shakur Stevenson, never heard of him. Tiafimo Lopez, never heard of him. Felix Verdejo, who the hell's that? That's what it looks like. So I can't really see them doing big numbers, if, if I'm being completely honest. But I hope I'm wrong, because I'd like to see Khan get well paid. I mean, surely that's why he's took this fight. I mean, it's, it's, it's such a big risk. And, uh, you know, my hat goes off to him again. I think he's an absolute nutter, Amir Khan. But we do love him, and he's done some fantastic things, not just for British boxing, but also for Pakistani boxing. As I know that you uh, you could talk about that all day. Um, on the undercard, Shakur Stevenson, 10-0. Um, he's been in a few, well, a few outside of the ring troubles lately. Um, he's he's a friend of the show, but he's he's not many people's friend at the moment. It was quite uh, quite disgusting seeing what happened with him. It was all caught on CCTV the other week. But he takes on Christopher Diaz, a brilliant fight there. Christopher Diaz, uh, twenty four and one. Um, that's a ten rounder there, by the way. Diaz, his only loss came to Masayuki Ito, who's now the reigning super featherweight world champion. So. Uh, yeah, a real step up there for Stevenson. I'm really loving what they're doing with him, by the way, top rank. Uh, and also, like I say, Tiafimo Lopez, 12-0. and 0. He's in a 10-rounder against Edis Tatley, who's 31-2. and 2. Um, 
Tatley never been stopped. That's the interesting thing. He lost a split decision to Francesco Patera, and then in his very next fight, he avenged it. Um, other than that, he lost to Richard Abril, a man that, again, has seemed to just disappear off the face of the earth. Uh, that one was for the WBA World Lightweight title back in 2014. So this guy is a good, good fighter. And like I say, the fact he's never been stopped, if, um, if Tiafimo Lopez can do it, then it's a big statement for him. Another guy that's really, really impressive, another friend of the show. Problem is, Tatley doesn't really have the firepower to keep um, to keep Lopez away, so I think Lopez probably will end up stopping him. And finally, Felix Vadejo, 24 and one, a man with a real stop-start career. He takes on Brian Vasquez, 37 and three. Vasquez, you know, he lost to the likes of Raimundo Beltran back in 2017. A very close fight, by the way. Though it was a majority decision over 10 rounds. He's also lost to Javier Fortuna for the uh, vacant WBA World Title back in 2015, and then he lost again in a WBA World title fight back in 2012 to Takashi Uchiyama so um, he's only really lost to world champions and like I say he gets in against Vadejo who everyone was raving about at first and he seemed to kind of uh, you know just just run out of um, I don't know if it's momentum or whatever but he seemed to run out of something that he had and um, he hasn't really looked great since obviously he lost uh, in in the early part of 2018 by knockout against a guy who well I mean he was a puncher but we thought that you know Verdejo would absolutely obliterate him and uh, yeah that was quite a shocker there so that should be interesting but it's, it's, listen it's four good fights that I've mentioned there I'm just not quite sure that they're worth five pounds per fight but um, that's just the way that I look at it. Perhaps you're thinking that Crawford and Khan is worthy of being £20 on its own and the undercard's just a bonus. Just the way I look at things. Is, that's all it is. Just like the Dave Allen thing. Perhaps I'm wrong. Perhaps I'm looking at it wrong. But that is my angle and that's what I do on our podcast. Guys. But that is about it for part two. Just before we wrap up the show entirely. That's it for the preview part. Just before we wrap up. The last thing to do is to welcome guest number two. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former WBA heavyweight world champion. It is, of course, Mr. Lucas Brown. Lucas, welcome back on the show, my man. Thank you very much for having me, Moran. Hey, it's always a pleasure having you on, Lucas. We last spoke back in February, not too long ago. Um, at the time, I remember questioning your decision to fight the dangerous uh, journeyman, quote-unquote, Camille Sokolowski. It was obviously, uh, you know, viewed as, as, a, as a warm-up fight. The fight went ahead. Did you expect it to be quite as tricky as what it was? Actually, yes. Um, and that was the reason we took it. We didn't want to have just a, a bowl over guy that was going to, you know, fall over in the first round sort of thing. I, I wanted to test myself. I believe that I lift when I need to and, and, and get tested. So I also knew that he wasn't going to just fall over in regards to his chin. He's got a great chin and stuff like that as well. So in preparation for the Dave Allen fight, I thought it was absolutely perfect. And obviously, you know, you touched down in round two. You were slightly off balance, so is that fair to say? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I led to one side to throw a, a like a left uppercut and he just jabbed me and I completely lost balance, yeah. <laughs> in the aftermath, though, you're happy that you fought Sokolowski, looking back? Yeah, 100%, yes, yes, very much so. Um, I, I think I'm much better when I stay active uh, and I think that was a, a nice, hard, decent fight for me to stay active and, and try a few things and, and prepare for the next one. 
Yeah, and for you know, for what it's worth, I actually felt that you know after that second round, you got up and boxed really well. I know some people were saying that the decision was wrong. I, I can't agree with that at all. Um, obviously, the fight looked like it kind of took place in like a hotel foyer. I'm guessing you're a lot happier headlining the O2 Arena, but at the same time, the O2 also brings back not the best memories for you. Do you anticipate uh, you know perhaps having some extra nerves come Saturday night? Um, to be honest, after the loss to Dylan White. Um, I think I, I've got some nerves back and I think I need those nerves. I think there was a there was a point up until the Dylan White fight where I was just too relaxed and, and nothing bothered me. Um, now, going into the Sokolowski fight, I didn't want to get cut. I didn't want to get hit too much, obviously, uh, and, and jeopardise the Dave Allen fight. So I was moving in my head more, you know, using my jab, my defense, and that's what I need. I need that back in my, um, my fighting style. Um, there's no point standing there getting hit for no reason sort of thing. So I think a little bit of fear, a little bit of, um, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, in, 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 your, um, in your gut is, is perfect to have because it makes you sort of just, just step up that little bit and, and, and not relax so much. And on to the next one. It is finally happening Saturday, like I say, at the O2. I can't believe it, but you're down as the underdog. I mean, somehow your wins over Rodenko, Richard Towers, James Tony, Shagaev seem to not match up to Dave Allen's win over the unproven Nick Webb. I mean, not to mention that, you know, your one loss came to White. You know, Allen's also got four losses. I yeah. mean, he, his loss to White, I guess, wasn't as bad as your one. But if we're going by that method, your win over Jason yeah. Gavin was better than his. Are you surprised to be the underdog? Um, a little bit, yes. But um, I think a lot of people are just looking at age. Uh, yeah, I've just turned 40. Uh, so I think they're saying, well, he's only, I think he's 27. Is that correct? So uh, 27 against 40. So uh, he, he's the one that's going to win. So, but that's, that's how people think. And that's awesome because people don't know shit. Yeah, they really don't. I've actually been been uh, have, having so many back and forths um, earlier this week with people on Twitter. I'm, I'm trying to explain to them that Lucas Brown is not a typical 40-year-old. He's a young 40. He hasn't been in loads and loads of wars and stuff like that. Whereas Dave Allen is a young guy, but he has actually been in these wars, you know? So it's, 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 it's a lot more level of a playing field, if you like, than people... You know, people people think. I, I believe so. Yeah. What, what do you know about Dave Allen, Lucas? Yeah. I know that the fight has been looming for a long time. Have you actually watched much of him, though? The beauty of social media and, and YouTube these days, you get to watch pretty much everything. So um, I have watched a lot. Obviously, he's a, a decent, hard, uh, could take a lot of hits and actually takes too many hits to the face, to be honest. But... Um, He's got he's got some power. Obviously, he comes over that big overhand right. He's got the the left hook, uh, goes the left body sometimes as well. But he is somewhat limited. Um, but the kid has got heart and he's got a chin and he keeps coming forward. And it's not going to be an easy night at the office at all. And yourself and Dave Allen are surely in the best shape of your careers, both of you. Um, initially, when this fight got made, it was certain to be an all-out war. But because you've whipped yourselves into such brilliant shape, will it change the script of the fight, so to speak? Will it still be as much of a war as people thought initially? Well, to be honest, I've basically, over the last year, so since the Dylan White fight, I've put myself into this condition so I've slowly but surely gone through it and, and done what I should have done now Dave Allen's basically done it in what seven eight weeks so he hasn't exactly gotten used to his body either 
So, like, he's got some weight, and that, that doesn't mean he can actually use it the way he should be using it. So, I'm not too sure about... Yes, yes he's in great condition, but um, will he be able to sort of use it? I've, I've had three fights. Uh, I know what I'm about. I know what I'm capable of. So, I think I might be a little bit too much in regards to agility-wise that uh, Alan thinks is like coming forward. And in your heart of hearts, a lot of people think this fight does not go the distance. Some people think it will go the distance. Do you believe this fight goes the distance? I think this fight has all the uh, the makings to go the distance <laughs> because it's just it's just a hard nut, and that's the way he is. Like I, I know that he hasn't won a fight if it's gone past the seventh round. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I, I I don't think it's ever been early night put it that way. So if it, if it is. A stoppage of some sort, it will be later rounds. Okay, interesting. And just finally, Lucas, any final message just just to our listeners before we let you go, my friend? As you said, like this is um, me back at the O2 again, so I'm, I'm extremely happy to be back here. Uh, I want to obviously the most true everyone else, but thank you to the UK public just for sort of sticking by me. Um, I've whipped myself back into shape, and I'm hoping to sort of continue on some good more, some some good wins and some competitive fights. So just keep keep tuned. Okay, listen, Lucas. It always is a pleasure catching up with you, my friend. You know that. Best of luck for Saturday. Happy birthday once again uh, for yesterday, and we'll catch up again sometime soon. Legend, mate. Thank you very much. Okay, and this wraps up episode 183 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Ayaz Sumra has been Ayaz Sumra. A massive thank you to our two guests on this week's show, the 2016 Olympian and undefeated world contender, Mr. Josh Kelly, and the former WBA heavyweight world champion, Lucas Brown. There have been some bits of news that have broken since we've been recording the show. Um, a big one we're going to start with here. Anthony Yard and Sergei Kovalev have reached an agreement. The fight will go ahead in Russia and it's expected to be formally announced with a proper date within the next 10 days. In other news, David Lemieux pulled out of his fight against John Ryder, which was set for the Canelo Jacobs undercard on May 4th. I'm actually gutted for John because it was a big opportunity, but he was seriously up against it in my opinion there. Uh, Golovkin's next fight's been announced. He will take on the undefeated Canadian uh, Steve Rolls. I hadn't actually heard of him until this week, really, which is quite sad, to be honest. Obviously, it's going to be quite one-sided, you'd guess. That fight takes place at the MSG on June 8th. Joe Joyce has parted ways with Abel Sanchez. He'll now be training under Adam Booth, which is really interesting because, as far as I knew, David Hay and Adam Booth were still not really cool, and I think uh, David Hay is still involved with Joe Joyce, if I'm not mistaken. And the Joshua undercard on June 1st, Katie Taylor will now be taking on Delphine Pursoon. This will be a total undisputed lightweight world title fight. Pursoon, of course, holds the WBC world title, and obviously Katie holds the other three major belts. Uh, that is another big fight, really, for women's boxing there. Um, and finally, Jarrell Big Baby Miller, he's been ruled out of his fight with Anthony Joshua due to the finding of an illegal substance in his body. Uh, the replacement opponent are being lined up as we speak but realistically uh, for it to succeed in my opinion on pay-per-view in the UK the opponent well and in America I think it's going to be on the zone though won't it I think it'll be on the zone but um, yeah the opponent needs to be able to speak English to try and hype people up uh, to want to go and see this one obviously people have been talking about the Pulev fight he's been ruled out uh, Luis Ortiz from my understanding has been ruled out also and Adam Kaunaki has been ruled out so in my opinion the next in line guy 
guy. Especially in terms of American fighters, seeing as the fight's in America, it has to be Michael Hunter. He's also signed to Eddie Hearn. Um, he's scheduled to fight just seven days before June the 1st, and he hasn't got an opponent because his opponent originally pulled out. Uh, he also wants a Joshua fight. Uh, you know, obviously he speaks English, like I say, so in my eyes, it really has to be him. But... We will have to wait and see. Uh, that is about everything else, though. Best of luck with the Prediction League this weekend. Remember to tweet us with something I should do for losing to me in the race to 100 correct predictions. We'll be back next week, though, with another big show as per usual. Until then, guys, take care and thank you for listening. <laughs>